That's a very rattly pen. You hear that? Yeah, I can. I'm still amazed that you actually are going to be taking notes. I am taking notes today, people, because apparently, apparently there's going to be more than one person in this. Mm. So, as I only have a 15 minute attention span. I need to write some names down, otherwise I'm going to forget. So notes will be taken. It reminds me of when you're watching quiz shows, you know, like topical quiz shows, like have I got news for you or would I lie to you or something like that. And they're writing stuff down. Yeah, why? What are you writing down? I'd like to think they're writing jokes. You know, like somebody says a joke and they go, oh yeah, that's really funny. Well, they're stealing other people's material. I can put that into a... No, just kind of like maybe, maybe like a trigger for another joke that would happen or could happen in a different scenario. That's what I like to think. Oh, they're always on the job, always working. Yeah, always working, always it's just, working. What, do, you, do you really need a note, pen? And, you know, the, the stories on what I lie to you aren't that involved. I don't know, maybe people just like a good doodle. That could be it. It could be a stress relief measure. Could be a it? stress... Cause I'd be really, really stressed if I was on I've Got News For You. Yeah. Really stressed. I know. I don't lie well. Have I Got News For You? Oh, have I Got News For You? I was thinking, would I lie to you? No, you'd be terrible on would I lie to you. Yeah. You have like 20 tells. Yeah, I know. I do. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't win. No. Have I Got News For You? you you'd do great because you just swear about everything. Yeah. You probably wouldn't be asked back. It'd probably be a one-off thing. Yeah, it would be a one-off. And I wouldn't be I wouldn't be a guest presenter. No, you no. wouldn't be a guest presenter. I don't think I could read a cue card. Well, I, that's essentially what I have to do. I have it written down here and I have to... Oh, don't spoil the magic. People might think you're doing it off the cuff. Hey up, I'm Joe Heathcote and this is Consistently Eccentric, a podcast where I will attempt to teach a friend of mine a lesson from British history focusing specifically on the lesser known and less believable people and events that the history books tend to leave out. So let's get started with... Yeah, anything above the bonus content I am struggling with because it's more names, dates, facts than I've ever needed to know before. Yes. Or would need to know again. So That's a shocking indictment of the uh, comprehensive school system. <laughs> good old comp um yeah i didn't do history i did geography as i have said there's some geography in this i name at least one place i thought you were gonna say one oxbow lake i would have gone which one but we're all right we're digressing are you gonna start off because i'm ready now you're ready now i'm ready you sure i'm ready i'm you don't want to redo the entire intro again for the 20th time no i've warmed up vocally yeah well we've been here an hour kind of switched on i've got my pen (laughs) I've got my paper, I've had my brew, I've had my Maltesers, we're ready to... Pen go. in the shape of an ice cream. Of course, keeping it classy. Yep. Okay then. So, this story begins in the Jacobean era. Yes. I have no idea when that is. When's that? Okay, so... It's big roughs. We're in mid-1600s, essentially. 16... She's, you're actually writing it down. Okay. The three words that I need you to remember for this story. Right, I'm writing those down also. Go on. Back parts. Back parts. And that's hyphenated before you say anything. Okay. Lawyering. And Ireland. I don't know how to spell lawyer. Lawyering. Are you going to write every word down? No, I'm not. And Ireland. I'm not a very good speller, so here okay. we go. Well, you've, you've, you've spelled Ireland right, at least. <laughs> So, Susan Leakey 
was dead. Very good. It's important to know that she was definitely a, a dead, dead leaky. A dead leaky. She was buried in St. Michael's Churchyard in Minehead in 1634, and that should have been the end of it. But just before she had died, mm-hmm. the old crone, not my words, the words of someone describing her, had confided in her daughter-in-law, Elizabeth, that she planned to come back in the guise of a devil. Fabulous. On her deathbed. I mean, I like this woman already, even though at the very... At the very beginning of this story, she's already dead. She's already a little bit of a hero. Because mm. I also, too, plan to come back in a haunty kind of way. Well, she, If at all possible. Even even if you didn't actually have any plans to come back, just on your deathbed, croaking out your last words, I will be back as a devil. I know, right? How Rather than have a good life or I love you all. Yeah, no. I, I am the devil. <laughs> So, six weeks after the funeral, Mm -hmm. Elizabeth said she experienced a great banging and clattering in her bedchamber, like a herd of cattle running through. Her husband, who was Susan Leakey's son, was away at the time, so it couldn't have been him coming back after a late night with the boys. She thought nothing of it, which seems odd. What? What yeah. mean she thought nothing of it? Okay, so a herd of wildebeest just come through my bedroom. No, the sound of a herd of wildebeest. Clatter bang, clatter bang, And, and she just, just went, meh. Uh, shrug that off. Just so, normal behavings. Well, that was... She She thought, well, this happens. It's an old house. How yeah. old? What's it made of? Wattle and daub, probably. Creaky. Um, Susan Leakey, though, she was, wasn't heard again for a year. So she, she had a big clatterbang. And then she took a year off. I bet they had a cat. All clatterbangs in our house, cats. Without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. Jumping off something they shouldn't be on. Knocking well, things over. Banging tables, This one chairs, seems pans. to have been Susan Leakey in the spirit world trying to run before she could walk. <laughs> With and clogs on. She had a bit of a clatterbang and then she took a year off to actually learn how to do a haunting. Fair enough. So 12 months hence, mm-hmm. while young Alexander Leakey... Susan Leakey's grandchild mm-hmm. lay dying in his bed of a languishing disease. What's a languishing disease? That was all the description I got. That he just let's lay- just write that down. What, in languishing the disease. Languishing disease. Yeah, it, I'm going to Google that. I think it, it's probably any any disease that had a slow progression but was fatal. So I'm guessing things like that, you know, cancers would have been considered a languishing disease because they weren't right. cutting them open and and identifying, oh, you have bowel cancer. It was just that no matter what they did, you were slowly dying. Oh, right, okay. Cool. So I assume just... it's that kind of thing. Uh, he complained that his grandmother was constantly telling him to shut up. <laughs> so she came back to tell him to stop complaining and to just shut up shut as he up. lay in bed dying. Yeah. Yep. Though, to this point, no one had seen old Mother Leaky in person. So it was just the clatterbang. And then a year later, the dying boy saying, Shut up! Grandma's telling me to shut up. I love it already. But this changed following Alexander's death when old Mother Leaky, Mm -hmm. presumably now powered by the tortured soul of a child, because you know she was around there to get some of that child essence. Yep. She began appearing to her daughter-in-law, Elizabeth, as a phantasm, as a spectre. This is like hocus pocus stuff right here. I'm seeing them suck it, you know, like like when Winifred's like, 
is there with the I imagine. kiddy essence and just like sucking it out. Oh, yeah. Ghost straw that she just sticks in his ear. Yeah. I think that's a Red Dwarf reference with the straw. Yeah. Or the bugs from... Um, God, what's it called? Starship Troopers. Yes. They suck out the brains with like yeah. a big appendage, like a like a Oh, I'm liking an this alien story. butterfly. So I am liking this story. Atista. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because also, to keep her hauntings fun, she tried to keep them themed around the holidays. So I if there like was this. if there was a holiday coming up. Well, you don't want to miss out. Yeah, she 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 wants Let's to be with her family. So mm-hmm. at Easter, she appeared for the first time in Elizabeth's bedroom, <gasps> sitting in a chair. She said nothing for 15 minutes, then moaned <gasps> and disappeared. <laughs> Brilliant. I think that's even more sinister than if you would actually to say something, just sat there, just like dead eyes stare. Oh, you you think she'd be staring at her? I was yeah. imagining just staring off into the middle distance. No, I think just like dead eye, not saying a word. Girls like paralysed with fear, like, oh my God, I can actually see her. And she's just there, dead eyes staring at her. And then just randomly... 15 minutes of a dead eye stare. Uh, yeah. And away she goes. <coughs> Her second haunting, very on brand. She's got it down now. Oh, brilliant. Occurring on All Hallowtide. Halloween. Mm. Elizabeth entered a storehouse and was confronted with her dead mother-in-law's back parts. <laughs> back parts! Yeah. I'm going to tick that. There we go. Again, that's all the description we get. I'm going to get his arse in it. I Well... It's got to be. I really hope she's bare ass mooned her. <laughs> it would be amazing. <laughs> it's like, not only, right, I am proper, I am proper haunting you now. I am going to dead eye stare you for 15 minutes, moan, disappear. Then six, six months, months later, later, you are going to be out there. Confronted to, with yep, a full moon. Yep. Mooning you. Well, Elizabeth, she wisely backed slowly out of the storeroom and just locked the door. As you would. She's, I she's, mean, just leave her to it. Leave her to whatever she's doing with the back parts. Yeah. Don't get involved. <laughs> Finally, in the build-up to Christmas, yeah. old Mother Leaky appeared, Advent. blocking the door to Elizabeth's bedroom and stopping Elizabeth from leaving. Now, Elizabeth had just made herself, and these are this is Elizabeth's word, uh-huh. handsome to go out into the town. And she'd finally had enough of her mother-in-law's posthumous pissing about. As you would have done at this point. God. So she finally confronted old Mother Leaky and demanded to know what in God's name she wanted from her. Because uh-huh. normally with hauntings, there's a point. Well, You've got to do, you know, unfinished business, that kind of stuff. And the ghost finally spoke. Oh my God, mm. please tell me. It's just like, I just hate you so much. I'm going to haunt you for the rest of my life. She made a request that Elizabeth deliver some bonds and some jewellery on her behalf, which you feel she probably could have asked her to do while she was speaking on her deathbed, rather than saying, I am going to come back as the devil. No, I love the devil. No, this this woman is my hero. I'm totally following well, this. Elizabeth wasn't buying it. She <sighs> probably worked out the logic of this as well. She's like, no, 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 I'll do that for you. And she did. Mm-hmm. But there's got to be more to that. You haven't been haunting us for mm-hmm. two years, the better part of two years, including killing one of my nephews. Bare ass mooning me in the woodshed. To ask me to deliver some jewellery. And this was when the ghost, old Mother Leaky, she decided she's going to dish the hot gossip. <gasps> this is the time. Spread the goss, come on. Old Mother Leaky told Elizabeth mm. to go and tell her other daughter, Joan, 
It's not her daughter-in-law, but her true-blooded daughter, Joan. Joan Leakey. That her husband, a bishop, no less, by the name of John Atherton. Bish. Yeah. Had engaged in an affair with her sister. So, Mother Leakey had two daughters. Mm -hmm. One of them married Joan, married John Atherton. Mm -hmm. And John was not only sleeping with Joan, but also with Joan's sister. Called? Don't know. Sorry. Called the other sister. The the other other, sister. The other Leakey. If Jeremy Kyle was still going, this this is Jeremy Kyle shit right here. Okay, well, the ghost wanted the bishop to admit to his infidelity and to repent his sins or he would face dire consequences. Of what? Well... She's going to moon him. She left it open. Just dire consequences. You already know that this ghost can kill and will probably kill again. Yeah. But what what she's got planned for this John Atherton, we don't know. (gasps) So this could all be laughed off, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for the fact that the other locals were also seeing old Mother Leakey on the regular... Shut up. Where were they seeing her? Yeah. Her favourite trick being to whistle up storms to sink ships. Specifically, the ships of her own son's merchant shipping business. Was she dicking with her own family for? I don't know what the son did to piss her off, but it was obviously something. (laughs) Because she would turn up on the docks. She would whistle and a storm would flare up and the ships would go down. The sailors would always survive... But all of the cargo would be lost. So she wasn't trying to kill these people. This was oh definitely God. a dick move aimed at her son. Oh, this is okay. brilliant. And you may be asking why this ghost story, which is what we've been talking about at the moment, yeah. is in what is, you know, tongue in cheek, a history podcast. <laughs> well, it's loosely. because it got to be so much uh-huh. that King Charles I himself sent a royal commission to investigate the haunting, <gasps> led. By the Bishop of Bath and Wells. <gasps> My favourite bishop! The baby-eating bishop, bishop of Bath, Bath and Wells turned up. This ensured that the rumours that John Atherton was a naughty boy were circulating amongst the nobles of England <gasps> and Ireland, Ooh. where he had recently accepted a position to serve as the Bishop of Waterford and... Sorry? Waterford, Waterford and Lismore. Waterford. 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 You say Ford? I say Ford. And that is the difference across the Ribble estuary. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Waterford and Lismore. So Elizabeth, probably going along the lines of, if I don't actually follow through with this, she's going to come back. Who bloody knows what she'd be doing? Yeah, this might be a full frontal next time. (laughs) If I do not do this, she reportedly went to confront John in Ireland. So she took a ship cross oh my god this is amazing uh, but he refused to admit to anything and understandably did not offer his sister-in-law a place to stay so she returned to england immediately uh-huh. and was not haunted again so she did her bit oh well she passed on the message of doom <laughs> and she was left alone by old mother leaky oh my god she tried her best oh my god john atherton himself was approximately 35 by this point in his life uh-huh. and Random ghostly accusations aside, because it's just an accusation at this point, he appeared to be doing well for himself. Okay. (sighs) He was born in Somerset. Somerset. The son of a parson. And after studying law at Oxford University, he had joined the ranks of the Anglican clergy 
And as we know, there's never been any scandal involving the Anglican clergy. No, none, none at, at all. all. Um, he was determined to make a positive difference in the world. And specifically, this meant furthering the cause of the Anglican Church in Catholic Ireland. Risky manoeuvre. Well, we were in control of Ireland at the time, we being the English. I should point out, not my family personally. No. <laughs> I mean, every time you say we were in charge of it or... We'd taken it. We'd taken it. And we weren't willing to it's, give it's it back like just yet. a little, yet. just a tiny bit of my heart just sinks. You know so, what I mean? Just like, just like, oh, come on. We were just so shit. So he took a position in Dublin with his wife and children in 1630. Yeah. And following the rumours of infidelity, his enemies would suggest that this was an attempt to flee before his double sister bedroom shenanigans were discovered. Mm. Uh, and his reputation would then be ruined. Mm -hmm. But it seemed to have been an astute career move. He held a few good jobs as Chancellor of Christ Church in Dublin. And I've actually weirdly seen a picture of Christ Church, the mm -hmm. place he was. Very, very square church, very fat church. Okay. It looks like it could survive a hurricane. Very good. Uh, and rector of Kiliban and Ballinter Bride. Very good. I've probably butchered both of those you names. I'm very sorry. You have massacred both of those names for shame on you. Hmm. But his career really got going when he gained the support of Thomas Wentworth. You know Thomas. I do not, but I'm going to write the, his he name was, he, down. I shouldn't say he is. Thomas. He was the first Earl of Stafford and, by 1632, the Lord Protector of Ireland. I'm going to write that down. Yes. So, essentially, he'd been given um, the authority by King Charles to basically run Ireland in his stead. Right, okay. Okay, so he's, he was the most powerful man in Ireland. Mm -hmm. Now, Thomas liked John Atherton for a few reasons. Mm -hmm. Firstly, he appeared to be a genuinely devout and trustworthy man who had used his influence in the Anglican Church too, amongst other things, because he did a lot, insist that the crime of buggery be made a capital offence in Ireland like it was in much more civilised England. So there'd been a case a few years previously where somebody had committed buggery in mm -hmm. Ireland and they'd realised that actually the way the laws worked, um, it wasn't uh, punishable by death in Ireland. And John Atherton had looked at that and said, well, I don't know a lot about God, but one of the things I do know is that he really frowns on buggery. So we're gonna we're gonna sort of bring the laws in sync and make sure that Irish people as well as English people can be hung for this. Well done, him. Pause. Yes. Right. I just wanted to leave a, a wee gap there so that you can edit this out because <laughs> I just want to get the terminology right. Mm. Buggery is that. What what are we what are we ter terming buggery, please? It is a man inserting a penis in another man's rear passage. Yes, I, I get I get the act forcefully or with consent. Either way. Either way, punishable. Either way, punishable. If it's a loving couple who decide to engage, it's just a, as bad. It's in in the eyes of the law at this time. Yes. Because the, right. the problem isn't that you're doing it. The problem is that you are um, deviant. 
in the eyes of the law the, at this point. The act of that is deviant. The act of that is deviant regardless of the emotion behind it. Because right, as you know, okay. being gay didn't down. exist until the 20th century. According to history. Because you will see things like, and they were two very close friends who shared quarters. And neither of them ever took a wife. But they seemed content in their bachelorhood. And you're like, okay. Okay. I think I know what was going on there. They had a loving relationship, didn't they? Yeah, okay. Well, I just we can leave another pause, but I just wanted to get that terminology right. Cool. So that we're all on the same page. So, so. Ironically, mm. it would be decriminalised in England nearly three decades before Ireland in 1967 and 1993, respectively. So mm -hmm. he got a law put on the statute books in 1633 mm -hmm. that would remain on the statute books for another 360 years you know the the punishment would change uh, and would become less but he was the one who introduced that as, as a criminal offense gosh so secondly aside from that john was a trained lawyer as we know he went to oxford yeah who proved to be particularly adept at reclaiming land for the Anglican Church that had been wrongfully taken by predominantly Roman Catholic members of the Irish nobility. This right. increased the amount of wealth for the Crown back in England. So he was really good at coming up with legal reasons to take a lot of land from the Irish Catholic nobility and put it back in the hands of the Anglican Church who would then funnel all of the money that was made from those lands back across to the English king. So he was really good at that. It's no... Re I mean, it, it's no great wonder really is it that we were just universally and we are still universally disliked by so many people because of the history uh it's it's just mm, yeah but you know yeah. what can you do i mean it happened we we just have to live with it now and just occasionally go dreadfully sorry about that yes it was terrible so yeah. he was so good at reclaiming land that by the time of his promotion to bishop in 1636, John mm -hmm. Atherton had annoyed a good proportion of the population of Ireland in one way or another. I can imagine. He's annoying yeah, He was now. not, not liked. But it didn't matter because he and his even more hated benefactor, Thomas Wentworth, yeah. were protected by King Charles I himself, who was loving the increased wealth from the reclaimed <sighs> land, as you can imagine, was, yeah. and the increased taxation. I tell you what, I'm beginning to feel why old Mother Leakin felt the need for sticking her oar in after she died, because I bloody would as well. Well, she was saying he was in, you know, he was unfaithful. Well, I don't... We've got no sniff of unfaithfulness yet. I don't care. I'd, I'd be making up lies, 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 because I'm annoyed by him. <laughs> so, yeah. Also, um, they suppressed the cloth trade in Ireland so that it would not risk competing with the English cloth. So this basically meant that... Um, people in Ireland, their industry was being suppressed so that they couldn't make the same amounts of money as English cloth workers. Um, yeah. And also, Thomas was increasingly using his apparent immunity uh, to abuse his power. So he'd do things like he'd sentence Irish lords to death and he'd promise, well, I'll pardon you, but only if you give up that office. There's nothing or, new under the sun, is there? I mean, tale as old as time. You'd sort of hint that you wanted more land and that maybe if I had more land, I wouldn't quite feel like signing an execution order. 
So he was essentially ruling Ireland like a king in his own right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then, so it's all going well for Tom and John. I was going to say, let's let's be absolutely clear on this. Only for these two people. Tom, that no, are and quite, Charles. Tom, John and Charles having a great time, yeah? Quite possibly the most abhorrent people ever, but go on. Okay. But the Scottish had to go and ruin it. Did they? Yeah. I'm you know sure how it didn't. is. They began mentioning home rule again and suggested they might even be willing to get into a fight about it. Oh, well. Yeah, and King Charles had to decide how to manage this crisis. He decided he needed his most trusted and astute advisor by his side, and he recalled Thomas Wentworth from Ireland in 1639. Right. Now, Wentworth's abrupt style of diplomacy, we're using yes. the quotation fingers again. Quotation fingers. It went down even worse in England than it had in Ireland, and that's saying something. And within two years, he had been accused of treason by Parliament. They were that sick of him. Luckily... King Charles had already assured him that no matter what the outcome of the trial, he would not suffer Thomas Wentworth to die. She said, stick the course, Thomas. They can say what they want about you. And it's rules for one and it's so, rules for another, isn't it? Well, he signed the death warrant on May 10th, 1641. <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> but he did afford him the honour of being beheaded rather than hung like a commoner, which was nice. With a sword. Uh, no, I believe with an axe. We weren't very oh. good with the sword. To be fair, it was the German executioners who were, they were great with the sword. They'd get a bit of a swing going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Build up some momentum And there, then they'd lop it off. Whip it around. Whereas we had guys who were used to hanging people who were suddenly yeah. handed an axe and going, give it your best. Just hack at it. Yeah. So I, I don't know if it was nicer, but it was definitely, it, it, it was a, a nod to his nobility, which okay. was nice. Uh, back in Ireland in 1639, John Atherton was suddenly left without the protection of the acting ruler mm-hmm. and his enemies took the opportunity to try and get rid of him. As right. you would. Utilising the rumours of his um, inability, let's call it, to control his sexual lusts. <laughs> right. Um, that was how they were going to get him because... At this time in English history, mm-hmm. sleeping with your sister-in-law was not only considered Jeremy Kyle, mm. it was also considered incest. Because you're family. Well, you are. Mm. So it, he was accused of having an incestuous relationship. <gasps> A Catholic lawyer called Butler engaged in a legal dispute with Atherton at the time over some more land. Yeah. Uh, suggested that if they made further accusations of sexual provocation... I I wrote proclivities, and I can't say proclivity, so why did I write that? (laughs) Uh, Further accusations of sexual misdemeanours. Yes. Perhaps of a kind that were recently made a capital offence. They would surely be able to find enough people willing to testify that it was true. Because, you know, pretty much the entirety of this country wanted rid of this bishop. Uh-huh. Also, you know, as a side note, Butler would be able to keep the land. That's the cat. That's the cat. <laughs> so in mid-1640, about the same time Thomas Wentworth was starting to be accused of treasonous behaviour, John Atherton was formally accused of engaging in the act of buggery <gasps> with a child. John Child, in fact, his steward and tithe protector. Oh, my God. And a tithe protector is the guy who collects the money for the church, basically. I I didn't know what that was. Yes, John Child was an actual adult man. 
I was about to be sick on my own feet. God. They didn't. They 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 didn't want to go too hard too early. They were like, yeah, you know, someone that you spend a lot of time with anyway, because uh-huh. you know he's his steward. So they, yeah. they obviously spend a lot of time sorting stuff out on their own within, you know, sort of cloistered rooms. So uh-huh. it gives that sort of plenty of opportunity. Yeah. shenanigans. Now, predictably, he was found guilty of the offence and was sentenced to death to the applause of a large crowd. Well, you can imagine. John Child, who was the main witness for the prosecution, was also found guilty and sentenced to death. Oh. And you imagine that he was not aware he had been designated the role of Patsy in this little scheme and was genuinely surprised by this turn of events. So I like to... I I imagine they told him, look, if you go along with this and if you say that he... He touched you inappropriately and he put his 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 winkle dangle. If he put it in you and you weren't consenting, we will make sure that you come out of this, you know, with some kind of compensation that'll yeah. keep you comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then of course they didn't. in the event they didn't. The crowd had obviously been riled up by John Child's description of the carnal sins. <gasps> He went into detail and they really didn't want to wait for a formal execution. So they tried to lynch John Atherton as he was being escorted to the prison in Cork. This was unsuccessful, however. So they they wasted a lot of effort in protecting this man from being hung in order that they might hang him. Mm. Nice. So on the morning of December 5th, 1640, John Atherton read a morning service for his cellmates. Mm-hmm. He was dressed in a morning suit mm-hmm. and he was taken to Stephen's Green in Dublin, which is a park, I believe. Okay. <clears throat> so they just, yeah. Just in a park, yeah. wherever. Well, you know, they'd set up a scaffold. So it's obviously somewhere big enough to erect a temporary scaffold. Fair enough. Uh, he continued to calmly state that he was innocent and even managed to smile at the crowd before the sentence was carry- carried out. I think I'd be smiling. Mm. Well, he obviously saw the funny side in it. I'll tell you who didn't. Because he left behind a scandalised wife and five children. Oh, mate. That's not even funny, is it? Mm. But that wasn't enough for the people who wanted rid of John Atherton. They wanted to besmirch his entire reputation forever. So in the months that followed... The list of depraved sexual acts that Atherton was accused of committing grew and grew to the point that it was written as fact that he had engaged in relations with a cow. Oh my God. And that he had fled to Ireland not after the incestuous relationship, but after killing the child born of that relationship. So he was also accused of infanticide. This continued attack was calculated to coincide with all of the landowners who'd had land taken away from John Atherton mm-hmm. to demand the reinstatement of that land. Of course, the common people of Ireland didn't change anything. No, um, no. You know, they got to watch, watch a man being hung in a public park, which, mm-hmm. as we know from the Tyburn Tree episodes, it's a great day out. But they were still working... Fun for all the family. They were still working the land for piss-poor wages. It just were. It's just that money was going to a different person. Yeah. Uh, but that... Is not the end of this tale. No, I want to know more leaky lady. Tell me more about this. Okay. Because I'm assuming she crops up again. Well, 
as Old Mother Leakey started this tale mm-hmm. with ghostly visitations, it is said that the lawyer who hatched the plot, Mr Butler, returned home to find the ghost of John Atherton was waiting for him. And John, he went old school Mother Leakey and he just stood a silent accusing vigil, slowly driving the lawyer mad. Wow. To the point where he committed suicide. (gasps) And it is said that he still haunts the house to this day, even as his mother-in-law still occasionally is said to whistle up storms in Minehead to this day. So that is amazing. The two of them. <gasps> the bookends of this story of yeah. sexual depravity. Ah, oh, ghosts and oh, back parts. Yeah, back parts and front parts. <laughs> and front parts and and cow parts. Yeah. And all the parts, they are both apparently still active ghosts to this day. Wow. So there you go. That <gasps> is the story of old mother Leakey and John Atherton. Wow. I know. I am loving... It's cool. Loving that story. Did it give you life? It gave me life. I am so glad I wrote some of that down because between Johns and Jones and Thomases and Leakeys, there's lots of Leakeys, I I, I would have got a bit confused, but I had my little... A little bit of paper and my pen, and I was all right. I followed it through. Hopefully, I think it was it was more just the the, the knowing that you had a pen and paper gave you the confidence to dive into the story properly. Yeah, well, it's my first big. It's my first big story with lots and lots of people. So yeah, it really is. Well it's, done, you. Thank you. Yes. Now, which period were we in? I don't know. Sixteen hundreds. It says thusly. Yes, and what did I call it? Very first thing I told you. Oh God, I don't know. Jacobean. Yay! She does listen to I me. I do listen sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>